Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father, I thank you and praise you for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna, it's bread, it's practical, and it becomes part of who we are. We can use it this week. Lord, your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and produces life in us and changes us and grows us. And uh, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know and prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. This morning, I want to talk to you about who you are around. We can hang around with the ducks and the chickens in this world, but when we do, we will never fly like eagles. And God has the right divine friendships for you that he wants to bring into your life to help you get where God is taking you. But not everybody is going where God is taking you. And if you want to go to that new land, sometimes you have to wave goodbye to the people who might be holding you back. And what I mean is people that are dragging you the wrong way, saying the wrong things. You walk into that break room, and there's the grumblers and the complainers. And before you know it, you hate a job that you used to love that you prayed for that God gave you. Why? Because you got around and too close to the wrong voices. Now, we love everybody. We don't discard people because they make mistakes. Like Jesus, anybody can come to us and be our friend. I'll, I'll buy you things. I'll change your tire, give you a drink of water, give you the coat off my... You could even be mean to me, and I'll still walk a mile with you and give you my tunic and my cloak as well. I'll pray for you. But not everybody gets to be in this very close circle. There's not a lot of space in here. And in this very close circle, I'm very careful. We're all called to be careful to leave those positions open for the divine friendships that God has for you. People that will build you up, encourage you, and help you move in the right direction. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, Abraham and Lot separated. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. They had to go two different directions in this moment. Lot was not going where God was calling Abraham. The Bible says that Lot went and settled in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a picture of hanging out in the wrong place. And when you get around the wrong place, you know Lot would have a life of drama, of defeat, of being kidnapped, of having calamity and problem after problem, and, and just barely escaping many times. Uh, so, so that's his decision to be in that place. But Abraham decided to not be in Sodom and Gomorrah. He went to a different place. The Bible says that he went towards Mamre, which was a great man, an Amorite. We don't know a lot about him, but we know that he was a strong man. And, and there he would meet a couple of other friends. And the Bible describes it as this, the great trees of Mamre in Hebron. Now, Hebron means fellowship. So the picture is Abraham didn't go live in Sodom and Gomorrah around the mess, but he went and got himself in the church and he got around the other big trees and it would matter. You know, one day Lot, his nephew who was in Sodom and Gomorrah would get stolen, caught up in a war and, and got kidnapped and all this stuff. And Abraham went and rescued him. But you know that Abraham took his three strong friends with him that allied with him and they went and defeated four kings in order to get Lot back. And so when you have the right friends, they will stand with you to help you have a victory. But I want you to notice that Abraham couldn't have those new friends until there was some space. There had to be a separation from a wrong relationship so that he could have the right relationship. And I want you to see, let's go back to the scripture. Lift, Abraham said to Lot, I'm sorry, and the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot separated from him, say separated. Yeah, lift your eyes now 
and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land to which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And so, so God begins to have a conversation with Abram about his legacy, about his future, about all the things. Look, look, look what I got for you, Abraham. Look, look what I have for you. But I want you to see that God didn't have that conversation with him until that separation took place. And it's possible that God has not yet shown you what he has for you because God is waiting for you to separate from a wrong relationship. He wants to show it to you, but you're just not going to see it until you get out of that wrong relationship so that he can bring the right people into your life and so that he can show you all that he has for you. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap right now. And it's not that people are bad. It's not that Lot was a bad person or, or that Abraham was better than Lot. It's simply that they were going in different directions. And that's really the key here. It is, it is getting around the right people that are going where God is bringing you. And you might be dating Mr. Wrong while you're waiting for Mr. Right. But what I'm saying is that you're going to have to separate from old Ted. Come on, somebody. You're going to have to leave Egypt in order to get your Caleb or your Joshua. Sometimes we, if we want to go to the promised land, we have to walk away from the grumblers and the complainers because the reality is the grumblers and complainers are never going to go to the promised land. They're just going to stand here and complain about the people who do. But when you want to cross the Jordan River and as you begin to cross it, you might have to say goodbye to old Sally. It might be like, I'm sorry, Ted. I told you you should come with me, but you didn't believe. But I'm like, I got to go where God's... Abraham had to go where God was calling him. And God has called us out of darkness and into his glorious light, but not everybody is coming along. And in those situations, you've got to get the people around you that are going to lift you up, build you up, encourage you. You want to be around people who are going where you're going, who have big dreams and big ideas. I was at the Cold Storm Creamery the, the other day because the Holy Spirit led me out of the wilderness and, <laughs> and into the land flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> and so, but I was working on my abs, and so I wanted to go there. But not abs, ab, just the one ab. I've got one I think the one big muscle is stronger than the six little ones. You know what I'm saying? Come on, fellas. I'm just working that thing out. Yeah, thank you. And so then there I was in line. And, uh, but the line was so long that my family went, and, and you know, we're there in line. And I'm going to ask uh, Christian Pruitt if you come up here and help me, actually. Um, I got in line, and my fam my, all my kids sat here. My wife was sitting here. And because you know, the line was so long, they went and sat so that we wouldn't clump up the line. So I was just standing in line by myself, and, and, and the guy that came in behind me, he stood in line. Are you familiar with the idea of personal space? <laughs> this is my son-in-law, Christian Pruitt. Come on, give it up for him. I love this man. I love him. Teaching the high school. He blew it up last night with the high schoolers. But listen, so he wasn't actually the one in line behind me. It was some guy somewhere. I think his name was Ted. And he came up behind me. And I like, I, I've noticed that over the last two years, personal space has gotten even bigger, right? You know, people are like, whoa. Easy there, big guy, right? But, but this guy had no concept of personal space. So I'm standing in line, and he, and he so he, no, closer. It was actually closer. Than, yeah, it was like, I could, on the back of my neck, I could feel the air from his breath. And I was like, and so I did what a normal person would. I thought maybe he was not paying attention to where he was going. Like maybe he was looking at something else and he didn't realize how close he had gotten to me. So I kind of gave him the benefit that I was like, okay, well, you know, there was some space. The people had moved in front of me. There was some space here. So I went ahead and took a nice step, you know, and I did it kind of funny like that. But then he as well went right up into that. 
now I was like, I looked at my wife and Katie, and they're snickering. They're like, <laughs> and I'm like, and then and then my my boys are like. So I thought, well, I'm going to go one more time. But then, now the person in front of me hadn't moved much, so I had to take like a little step. But then he steps all the way up in there again. And at this point, something happened, and I, I, my pastor robe fell off. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen where like the anointing just came off? I don't know where it went, but it just fell off. And I, this is what I did without even thinking. I just did this. I don't know why, but I went like this. And I just stared. I didn't say I'm not, I wasn't even mean. I was just like, what's up? And then what did he do? He took a step backwards. <laughs> like I was the weirdo. <laughs> From then on, we were fine. Thank you. Now, in that Cold Stone Creamery, I was, and I didn't bring up coconut. Did you notice that? I'm good. I did good. In that Cold Stone Creamery, there was a ton of people there. I didn't really know them, but I'd be willing to buy any of them, all of them, ice cream. I'd be willing to hold the door for any of them. I'd be willing to go out there and help them with, the, with a battery in their car if they needed help. I'd be willing to do all that. But not everybody gets to be in this space. And that's what I'm talking See, we're not better than other people. We're not, I'm not saying that you're better than someone else. and You've got to discard people because they're just not good enough for you and you're headed to somewhere big and they're not. That is not what I'm saying. Jesus was willing to be around everybody. He loved everybody. He was a stupor, right? Stupors are people that go down and help other people get up. But not everybody wants to get up. And there are, there's only so much space here in this space for close, close relationships and my father always taught me, in this world, you want people who are going somewhere, who are going to inspire you and lift you up. See, Jesus prayed all night long three times in his entire ministry, all night, where he stayed up all night praying. And one night was because he was walking into the crucifixion. He stayed up all night praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus stays up all night praying, here's what you know for sure, something big about to go down. Jesus stays up all night praying when he finds out that his cousin and John the Baptist had, had been beheaded. He's, he was up all night, up in the mountains praying. And after that, he walked on water. There's another time when Jesus stood up all night. It was at the very beginning of his ministry. He stays up all night long, and then the next thing he does is he chooses the disciples that would be around him. What was he doing? He was saying, God, when it comes to the people who are going to have this space, the very, very close space, I need divine intervention. I want to know exactly who gets this place. Why? Because God has divine relationships for you that are going to help you get to where you're going. They're going to lift you up when you fall. They're going to overlook your weaknesses. They're going to believe in you even when other people don't believe in you. And God knows that we're built for each other and we're built for relationships. It's not as easy to go it alone. And so God says, I've got somebody who's going to help you along the way. If you're Caleb, he says, I've got you a Joshua. If you're David, he says, I've got you some mighty men. I've got you a Jonathan. So he's got someone for you. And so this is really kind of what I'm up to uh, this particular morning. Is, it's about watching who we're around, what we're listening to, and how close we're letting people to us. When Saul had, had his transformation on the road to Damascus, not King Saul, but New Testament now Saul, Saul was a bad guy. He was out arresting Christians. And then Jesus turns his life around on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to arrest more Christians. 
and he turns his life over to Jesus. Now he's going to be on the right team. You know, Saul would become Paul. He's to become one of the most effective apostles of all. He writes most of the New Testament, or a little, almost half. So, so what do we know about Saul is that when he first gave his life to the Lord, people didn't accept him. People didn't believe him. Saul's like, you know, arresting people and being mean and awful and dragging them out of their homes and watching Stephen get stoned to death and approving of it. And then in the next breath, he's like, okay, I believe in Jesus now. And everyone's like, yeah, sure you do. Yeah, we'll see. And so they didn't believe him. In the city of Damascus, he immediately begins to preach for Jesus, and they plotted to kill him. Why? Because they're like, I ain't trusting you. I know, I know you. The guy that went, was sent to heal him argued with God. It was like, God, you know this guy, right? He's bad news. You really don't want to heal him, do you? You know, because his eyes had been blinded. This is, this is the report that he had. And so he goes to Jerusalem immediately after this, and the Bible says that, that the apostles rejected him. They didn't want nothing to do with him. They, they didn't believe him. The apostles rejected Saul, who would become Paul. And so there's this guy named Barnabas the Bible brings up in the book of Acts, and he's a God-fearing man, and he grabs Paul and takes him to the apostles and begins to vouch for him. Yeah, this guy had a transformation. He began to talk to the apostles and persuade them. The Bible says, and this is the scripture we're going to now about Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, Paul. That's where Saul lives, by the way. Which means at some point after Jerusalem, Saul's just like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to go home. He's not out doing what he's supposed to do, right? And here comes this guy, Barnabas, and, he, and it says when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now, Antioch is where the church was at the time. It was one of the churches that was trained. There was a lot of churches. It was one of the churches that was training up the leaders and the pastors and the future elders of the church. Antioch was sending them out all over the place. And Barnabas goes and gets Saul and takes him to the training, takes him to Bible college, really. He takes him to the training center. What did Barnabas do? He's like, We don't see the the details here, but he's like, Saul, come on. Come on. We're going to church, man. What are you doing over here? It's time to go to church. See, we we need friends that drag us in the right direction. And you know the friends that drag you in the wrong direction. But but when you create some space there and allow God to bring in the divine friendships, they come. They come find. They come look. God brings them to you. And you know what Saul didn't have to do? He didn't have to convince Barnabas to be his friend. He didn't have to persuade him of what God... He didn't have to say, Barnabas, listen, I'm not a a bad guy anymore. I know I used to do some bad stuff, but man, God's really put something in me, and then I've got to persuade you. He didn't have to convince him. No, no, Barnabas divinely believed in Saul, already believed in him. Are there friends in your life you're always trying to convince to like you? You're always trying to persuade them to believe in you? You feel like you're the leftovers in their life, right? When they have nothing else to do. Like you've been sowing seed that direction, but it is not producing. And when they have nothing left to do, you might get a little bit of their attention. Listen, that is not the friend for you. You need friends like Barnabas. You need friends that just believe in you. You don't have to convince them to believe that God's put something in you. They just do. And without, I can tell you this, without Saul, or without Barnabas, I don't think there is a Paul. Because he takes him to Antioch, and what does he do? He begins to, to, to expose him to all the leaders of the early church so, and, and bridge those gaps so that they too would believe that Paul was called by Jesus and not the enemy anymore. And you're going to have friends that come into your life that can open doors up that you could not open without them. 
but God will bring them divinely into you. He's sending them to you now. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap right there. We need people that just believe in us. Don't spend so much time trying to get people to like you. Trying to be a people. Well, they're, they're mad at me. I got to go win them. I got to go win them again. There are some people who will just never like you. There are some people who just never like me. There's no, no, and we can waste so much emotional energy trying to win people to like us. Don't be a man pleaser. Be a God pleaser. God will bring people into your life who just like you anyways. And they're going to have grace for you. And that's the kind of friend you want anyways. Can I get an amen? I want a Silas in my life. When Paul got thrown in prison, there was a Silas in his life. And Silas was in the prison, in the chains right next to him. And the reason Silas is in prison is is mostly because of Paul. And Paul just wouldn't stop preaching. And so Silas could have been like, thanks, man. And he could have been complaining. Like, well, this this is how I wanted to spend my Tuesday night. Appreciate it, Saul, Paul, whatever your name is. But not this guy. He wasn't a grumbler. He's, he's that guy that's like, hey, you want to praise God right now? It's like midnight. You want to sing some songs to God? Paul's like, sure, I'll sing some songs to God. And they're like, come on, let's lift it up to Jesus right now. And they're kind of getting their, what, what, everybody's like, what do you guys, and then all of a sudden the chains fall off and the door, prison doors swing open. You could, it's so easy to find friends in your life who will do nothing but complain and drag you down. But I want a Silas in my life that when I've hit the prison and I'm in jail, I've got somebody that says, why don't we praise Jesus right now? That's the kind of friend I'm talking about. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering like you mean it. Let's just take a moment to praise Jesus. My, my mom, when she got born again, my mom and dad, uh, it wasn't long, and then the Lord moved them here to Arizona. When they got here to Arizona, they didn't have a fr- there was no family here, and they didn't have a friend in the world here. And there was all this space. And, and my mom's friend came along, Pastor Mary Shamer. And I'm talking about 1977. That's how long ago I'm talking. Okay? And this woman, Pastor Mary Shamer, was this person who was like, hey, you want to pray for an hour in the morning every day? And my mom was like, yes. (laughs) You know, the friends that my mom left back in Wisconsin, they're good people, wonderful people, nothing wrong with them. They were not, let's pray for an hour in the morning every day people. They weren't like, they weren't all in. They still wanted to do their drinking. and They were born again, but they still want to party a little bit on the weekends and, and do their thing. And my mom was ready to be all in for Jesus. She was like, I, I want to do something big. I have all these big dreams in my life. And they were like, well, isn't that nice? That's so special. But we're busy right now doing what we're doing. And it wasn't that they were bad people. It wasn't that my mom was better than them. God was just calling my mom to a new place and had a big dream in her heart. And she had to get away from small thinking. And sometimes when you're around small thinking, if you don't, if you don't be careful, it'll get on you. It, that stuff will get on you, and suddenly you'll start letting go and making compromise. Compromise and criticize, that's the way I say it. You'll start to compromise, and you'll start to criticize. But it's better. My mom was called out and away from that. And sometimes there's a, there's a time of loneliness while you wait for God to bring in the right friends. And you have to be okay with that because you cannot fill this space with just anybody because you're so afraid to be alone. Be okay. Jesus went out into the wilderness for 
40 days and fasted, he was getting away from all of his old friends and his old childhood. And his old, They were good people, but he was, he was being called somewhere new, and he needed to go find 12 new friends. Come on, somebody, who were going to help him get to where he was going. And so there might be a time when you're just alone, and you're just going to have to be okay with that while you wait for God to bring in the right friends. But my mom needed to let go of the old friends. And you see, when she got around Pastor Mary Shamer and they began to dream together, it wasn't long until my mom was speaking and preaching the word of God in her church. And it wasn't long until they asked her to be the head of the Women's Aglow, which was a, a statewide organization of, of women's uh, Christian women who were speaking and leading. And my mom became the, the, the state president over all of this uh, Women's Aglow stuff. And these things began, all these doors began to open up for my mom. Why? Because when she got around the right people and away from the wrong people, when she got away from the wrong relationships, now God could reveal to her what he had for her, the legacy. Now she could see it. Before she wouldn't have been able to see it, it would have been too big sounding. But now she could see what God had for her. Why? Because God had divine friendships. And this woman, Pastor Mary Shamer, would stand with my mom, and they would stand together and do ministry together for more than 30 years, 1977 until just uh, two years, uh, a, year, a year ago when Pastor Mary Shamer passed. That woman was a divine relationship with Dr. Marine, and the two of them took territory together. Amen. And so also for you, God's got people that he wants to bring into your life. Maybe they're already in your life, and you can praise the Lord. You're thinking to yourself, I know exactly who J Pastor Jason is talking about today because I've already had him. I've already had this friend. And I, I want to mention in 2 Samuel chapter 13, there was a a uh, son of David named Amnon, King David. And Amnon was in a bad way. He was, he was upset and depressed. And his, he's got this friend who's a weasel. He's got the wrong friend in his life. I call him Amnon's nasty friend. And in 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 3, Amnon's nasty friend says to him, Why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And so this guy's name is Jonah Dab. Jonah. So just help me out every time we say it. Jonah. Thank you. So Jonah said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food. This is, this is already going badly. And prepare the food in my sight that I'm going to eat it from her hand. And so this happens, and, and uh, Amnon loses, anyways, he, he forces himself on his sister. It's an awful story. He forces himself on his sister. Then he won't marry her. Then he hates her. And then Absalom, his, the, her older brother, had, two years later, has him killed. And so Amnon took bad advice because he had a wrong friend. And a wrong friend can wreck you can just bring destruction in your life. Why? Because a lot of times we're, we're reflecting with friends. We're asking for advice. Hey, listen, I'm down. This is what's going on in my life. And you're going to have friends who can give you godly. They can give you Jesus advice. Or you can have people in your life that give you Jonah advice. Right? Oh, just move in together. Just throw, who cares? Just live together for a little while. He'll marry you eventually. You're going to be fine. Right? Really, really bad advice in your life that can lead you the wrong direction. And maybe they're like, uh, who needs church? Sure, we don't need church. See, Barnabas led Saul to church, right? The, the, there was a crippled man who had four friends who took him to church 
where he would get his healing with Jesus. And you want the kind of friends that will pick you up and carry you to God's house, not carry you away from God's house or carry you in the wrong direction. And so be careful. Where are my friends going? What are they up to? Because there can be some really toxic relationships out there, right? Hey, uh, I want to, Samson, come here. I want to introduce you to a girl. Her name's Delilah. I think you guys are made for each other. Really bad advice. These two are toxic together. And so there are some relationships that are just bad, and, you, and they're, they're destructive, and they're a mess, and you got to get out of them, right? And so, but God has right relationships for you, but if we're stuck still in Egypt, how are we going to get called out of Egypt and find the right people that God has for us? And, and so Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't let them in this space. You can call out to the ungodly. You can tell them there's a better way. You can say there's a Jesus. You can love them. You can help them. You can give them stuff. But don't walk in their counsel, right? We don't need their advice. We don't need them in this place. Don't stand in the way of sinners. If somebody's going to go sin, let them go after you. Have at it. I'm headed this way because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't don't want the world's results. I've already seen what the world's results. Have you seen what the world's getting? Does anybody see what the world is getting right now? How many know their strategy is broken? It's not working. And if they want to go that way, just let, this is what it says. Don't stand in their way. Go ahead. See you, man. There's a better way. It's this way, but have at it, man. Do your thing. And don't sit in the seat of mockers, right? There's a seat even among the believers where you're just mocking and slandering and stuff. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. It feels so good inside. It's like, eating a you know a piece of cheesecake but it turned out to be carrot cake in the end it was destruction in the end it was awful and it made you sick and sick. because why but the bible says warn a divisive person once warn them a second time and then says have nothing to do with them it might be time to say goodbye to sally and all her juice just simply saying listen i don't want to have those kinds of conversations anymore i'd love to talk to you about other things but i'm headed in a new direction i'm not going with slander and criticism anymore but i'm going with the grace of god and i'm not looking at people's clay i'm looking for the treasure on the inside of people i want to believe in people i know that there's humanity i know it's all broken but again i'm not walking in the direction of the world i'm walking in the direction that my savior jesus i got somebody to follow he's got a cross and praise god he's leading me to a better life Make the little short guy start sweating today. What happened? I was uh, finishing up a, a message in here on a Monday night, teaching some of the leaders. And uh, as we dismissed, I was praying with some people and talking and stuff. And all of a sudden, as I was leaving, the Holy Spirit goes, uh, go talk to him. And I, I go, I actually go, who? And the Holy Spirit goes, him. And I was like, oh. And there was a, there was a young man standing over right by this camera right here in the sanctuary. It was, it was kind of dark, and so I walked over, and, and, and he wasn't supposed to be at the meeting or anything, but there he was just standing there, and he looked lost. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, what? I said, you, why are you here? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, I just was compelled to come in here. And I said, well, the Holy Spirit just told me to come talk to you. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit hits me, and it goes, God's calling you. And he's calling you out of the old things. And you're, I said, look at me. You're not going back there. You're not going back ever again. And, and then I go, look at me. Those friends, you're going to have to let them go. Because they'll drag you right back down into that old mess. And you're not going back to the old mess. You're going to find some new friends right here. I need you to be here. Look at me. 
I need you to be here. You're going to have to get strong. You might one day go back and get those old friends. You might, but right now you ain't strong enough. You're going to get strong first. You're going to get some new friends. You're going to get some people in your inner circle that are going to call you higher and help build you. I want you to know that that young man is still here serving God. It's been a year since then. But he did just that. He had to be. He didn't have a friend in the world for a while, except for Pastor Jason. He would text me every now and then, and I kept encouraging him until he started to meet people here and get. Because why? Because in God's house there are people who can be become that divine friendship. And where you meet somebody matters. It was at the gate called Beautiful that that crippled man got his healing. He went to the right gate. He went to God's house where the gate of the Lord was. And Peter happened to be walking by. And if you're positioned over at the devil house or at the bar, how many know you are not going to meet your Peter? You are not going to get the help that you need. Come on, somebody. But you come into God's house, look around you. You're going to find people who will believe in you. They're not going to see the clay, but they're going to look for the treasure. It may be time for some people that are in here tonight or this morning to leave Egypt and get going in the right direction. You know, plants need the right environment to flourish. And one of the things that we find about, we're like green olive trees, the Bible tells us. And one of the things that the olive tree needs that does better with is this really is better together with other olive trees. There's 400 different types of species in Italy alone of olive trees, many different types, and you're all very unique. But the interesting thing about an olive tree is that the roots, as they spread out underneath the ground, that the same root that grew the tree will actually grow another tree. Same root. It'll shoot up a tree right next to the tree. I got a little picture of showing that there's the tree, and then the tree is actually growing other trees around it. And, and so Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. We want to be around people who are being nourished by the same roots that we're being nourished by. They're going the same direction as we're going, and suddenly those shoots begin to grow, and a tree that is planted by another tree, an olive tree planted by another olive tree, will produce more fruit and better fruit than an olive tree alone. God has this same kind of divine relationship for you. There was a, uh, just this last Thursday night, there was a young man, a high schooler. He came to the high school band practice. They've been uh, growing that high school worship team now. And I was there and he came with his guitar and it was his first time. And, and, and so I was working with him, helping him, you know, showing him how to play a little bit and t- giving him some things to work on at home. And as we were leaving the church on a Thursday night and this high schooler put his his guitar on his back, and he walked outside. Katie was there. He got on a scooter. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going home. I said, where do you live? A couple miles that way, pointed. What high school boy gets on a scooter for a couple miles to come to church to learn how to worship God? Of all the high school, what all the high school boys are up to right now, I thought, that's a good friend. That's somebody headed in the right direction. And I think about the young girls who are in high school who are trying to win the favor and the attention of some boy at school that maybe plays football or maybe is like super popular. And they think that that's what they want. And I want to tell you ladies right now, that isn't maybe what you want. But the guy who rides his scooter two miles to come to God's house will be a great husband and he will be a great father and he will be with you thick and thin. And the thing you actually want in life out of a friend or out of a spouse is hidden in the things of people who are going in the right direction. Somebody say amen.
There was a woman who came up to Pastor Kelly and I, and, uh, and she brought her friend with her just a few weeks ago, and she's been struggling, having breathing problems, and so we prayed for her uh, about her breathing problems. And then the friend came back just this last week, and she came running up to Pastor Kelly and I to tell us, hey, I want to let you know, you prayed for my friend a couple weeks ago. I brought her here to get that prayer. She's healed. Praise God. And I think to myself, I want a friend like that. I want a friend who sees a need in me and takes me to the throne room to get prayer and to get my healing and then is more excited about my healing than maybe even I am. I want a friend like Silas. I want a friend like Barnabas. I want somebody to stand close with me like Pastor Mary Shamer. I want to be planted in Hebron near the great trees of Mamre. I want to be around the eagles. I don't want to hang out with the ducks anymore and the chickens anymore because God has got something big on the inside of you and that thing that he's placed in you it needs to be in the right atmosphere so that it can grow into what God has for you he's taking you to dreams you never dreamt before but in order to get there you're going to need the right people going in the right direction saying the right things giving you the right prayers holding up your arms when you can't hold them up anymore grabbing your hand and dragging you through the dark valley and back to God's house and when you're down they will point to you and say listen to me trust God put your faith in God because he is able I want those kind of friends in Jesus name come on somebody and God has those friendships for you and that's my challenge for you today is to know that God has divine friendships for you and as you maybe begin to move and travel and there might be wrong relationships the Lord is speaking to you about today, be sensitive and compassionate. Invite people to come along with you. They may not go. You don't need to be mean about it. You don't need to be hurtful. You just begin to move in the right direction. And don't be afraid of being a little bit alone and creating some space so that God can bring the right people into your life. Be intentional about hanging out with people who will have the right voice, especially in this close space. You love everybody, you give to everybody, you even pray for your enemies. Come on, we're never too good for people, but we might be going somewhere they're not going, and that's okay. Let me ask you a question. If you were to face eternity today, do you know what eternity looks like for you? And would you have peace with Father God? Here's the good news. God has already offered the free gift of salvation to anyone who would put their faith in His Son, Jesus. And if you're ready for that kind of life, stepping into a new life and out of an old life, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Father God, forgive me of sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guess what? You just stepped into eternal life. Get involved in a good Bible-believing church. God bless you.